All right, so we're in Second Chronicles chapter 20, and in this chapter we see a amazing battle that the Lord fought for Israel. And let's go ahead and look at some uh, details about this battle that the Lord fought where Israel did not fight. And it says in verse 1, And it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. And then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazaz on Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all Judah. Now, it's interesting because the Bible, it mentions like where these people are coming from. And it's very important that you understand that. And if you're, if you have a map uh, in the back of your Bible, you'll see En Gedi is by the Dead Sea, which is east, I believe, uh, is, is east of Jerusalem. It's important that you kind of keep that in your mind, where the enemy is coming from. They're coming from the east. And this is a great multitude that when Jehoshaphat hears about it, he says, we're in trouble. This is a multitude coming at them that they are not capable of defeating. Now, this isn't the first time in Israel's history that they've been up against insurmountable odds. There have been many times in their history where they have been completely outnumbered. They've been in a situation where they cannot possibly win, but the Lord would fight for them. Now, when it comes to the battles, though, like this, that God would fight for them, sometimes God would tell them to fight. Sometimes he told them not to fight. In the battle of Jericho, God told them just march around the city one time a day, and then on the seventh day, march around it seven times to start yelling. We see how um, in the battle where uh, with Gideon and the multitude they went against, they just smashed a bunch of pitchers, blew some trumpets, and started shouting the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Sometimes God would have them actually go and physically fight, but then God would give them victory over their enemies, and they would they would defeat them. And here's another example, though, where... They're up against an army that they cannot possibly beat, and not without God's help. And in this situation, God tells them not to fight at all. And there are going to be battles that we're going to face in our life, some that we have been called to fight. But there's some battles we've been told, don't do any fighting. Let God do it. We're going to, and we're going to talk about those. But let's go through this story because I want us to notice some things in here that I think are really interesting. So, uh, you know, this is horrible news that Jehoshaphat gets, but notice what he does. Okay, when he gets this news that you're, we're about to fight a battle that we can't possibly win, he proclaims a fast, which proclaiming a fast before a fight is a bad idea. You know, when you're going to have a fight, you want to be strong during that time. You don't want people being weak and famished. And so his immediate response doesn't seem to make sense if you're going to fight a battle. But I think this proves that he knew this was a battle they couldn't win. So we can't we can't win this fight. And so what do they do? They came together to seek the Lord in verse four and Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So in verse five, and Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. So it's telling us where they're standing whenever they all come together as a people. Notice how they all got as close as they could to the house of God during a crisis. This was very smart. They're humbling themselves. They're proclaiming a fast. They're praying. They're getting close to the house of the Lord. 
and the Lord and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdom of the heathen? And in thine hand there is not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee. Art not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name saying, if when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then wilt thou hear and help. Do you know what he's referring to here? That famous verse, if thy people which are called by thy name shall humble themselves and pray and seek thy face and turn from their wicked ways. That was, that was said to pray this prayer where they were at during Solomon's day. This is years later with Jehoshaphat. They are doing what God literally told them to do if they were in a situation like this. They are being as obedient as they could. They bring up God's history with Israel. They bring up victories God's won in the past, and they're reminding God of his own words that he told. And here's the one, and I, I didn't even think about this. When I was putting the message together. I thought about it when Brother Matt was reading this uh, about the location. Because do you all realize that when they, because I've been to Israel before, so a lot of times I'm able to kind of have a mental, I, you know, I, I picture, you know, the actual locations of these things. And you all realize that when they were doing this prayer right here, they're praying towards the temple, which they were supposed to do, you know, which meant they had their backs to the enemies. That's not usually a good idea, is it, to turn your back on the enemy? But they knew we can't defeat this enemy. So you know what? Who cares what's behind us? Let's look to God right now. That was their attitude. And they're there with their backs to the enemies, praying to God, reminding them of his, reminding him of his words, doing exactly what he told them to do. They proclaimed the fast. They've humbled themselves. They are completely dependent on God in this situation. And so in verse 10, it says, And now behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldst not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. And this is interesting that he brings this up because many of the battles that Israel had during their history, it was because they did not utterly destroy the enemies that God told them to destroy when they came into Israel. And whenever you read a lot of those stories and they would not completely destroy these people, they were thorns in the flesh later on in their history. But when it came to the Moabites and the Ammonites, God told them specifically, don't utterly destroy them. In fact, in Deuteronomy 2, 9, it says, And the Lord said unto me, Distress not the Moabites, neither contend with them in battle, for I will not give thee of their land for a possession, because I have given our unto the children of Lot for a possession. So God told Israel, leave them alone. But in this story, the Moabites and the Ammonites, they're just being wicked all by themselves. Israel hadn't done anything wrong to get them in this situation. And so they bring up the fact that, Lord, we followed your command and we've left these people alone. We did what you told us to do. And now they're turning on us. They're coming after us. We're the ones that have been obedient. And so in verse 11, behold, I say how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou judge, not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. So, folks, this is a very vulnerable situation, but in reality, they were in the safest place that they'd ever been. 
They are completely obedient to God. They're in the will of God, throwing themselves under the mercy of God. They're literally hiding behind God. You know, that's a safe place to be. That's a good place to be. And so verse 13, and all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. They got everything. They got their families. They're all in agreement here. Lord, we need you during this time. They're hiding behind God. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing to do. In verse 14, then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. So they're just, they want to know what to do. You know, Lord, if we need to fight, we'll fight. But Lord, we can't do it by ourselves. They're needing instruction from the Lord. And then God puts his spirit on this man. And he said, hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. And now King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. I love what he said right there. Okay. Now understand, there are some battles we've been called to fight. But there are some battles we've been called to stand down on. There are some battles we've been called to take a knee on. And this was one of those battles. Sometimes God told him to fight. Some, God sometimes told him, go out there and get your sword bloody. This was the situation. He said, this battle, you're not going to need to fight. He said, go out against them, but you're not going to have to fight. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. So there are, there are some battles, they are ours to fight, but there are some battles we're just supposed to do nothing and watch God work. And so verse uh, 19, And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. So guess what? Singing starts taking place. I mean, we literally have a revival meeting pretty much take place right here is what we're seeing. We've got a bunch of people, they come together and they start praying. They get to the house of the Lord and they start praying. And then all of a sudden, some guy gets filled with the spirit and starts prophesying and starts preaching. And then all of a sudden, the preaching gets done. And then they're like, you know what? It's time to start singing. And then they start, they start singing. And then it says, and they rose up early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing praise, uh, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments Bushments against the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, which were coming to Judah, and they were smitten. You know what? You could say this is probably the only battle in history that was won by a choir. So, And in reality, the choir didn't do anything. They didn't do any fighting. God did all the fighting. God set ambushments against them. All of a sudden, God got them all fighting with each other, and they all killed each other. And it was just from a choir singing. Now, maybe the singing was just so bad, everybody started killing themselves. I don't, I don't know. You know, that, that 
probably is not proper exegesis right there. But literally, I mean, this the the people in the forefront of the battle as a choir and they just sang. I think that's awesome, folks. I just I think this is an amazing story. And it says, For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked under the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and the people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, and they stripped off for themselves so that they could not carry away, and they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. And on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Baraka, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of the place was called the valley of Baraka unto this day. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat, in the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. And they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets unto the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was in all the kingdom of those, of those countries. When they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel, so the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest round about. So just an amazing story. I mean, they started it with singing. They ended it with singing. They go out there in the battle and it's singers. And, you know, the other kingdoms heard about this. You know, how did Jerusalem defeat that army? They sang. And you know what everybody got from that is not that that was some singing. They got the Lord fought for them. The Lord was glorified in this situation. And so they got done and they're just rejoicing on their way back. They came back. The armies came back singing, playing music, giving praise to God, glorifying God in an amazing way. And this is another amazing story about God doing all the fighting in a battle. And I just briefly want to speak about some things. I could probably just do a series of messages on these, but I'm not. I'm going to, I'm going to cram it all into one. But there's some battles that we just need to stand still for. There's plenty of things we need to fight. There's many calls to action in the Bible. There's some things that are never going to get done if we don't get to work. But there are some things that it's just, it's not our battle to fight even when we are the ones being threatened. It, it, I get it. When it comes to winning souls, that's not the time to sit around and just pray and let God do the work. God's called us to do the work. God specifically told you, hey, you go out there in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. There's a lot of people in churches today, they're sitting around waiting for the Lord to do something that he has specifically told us to do. God specifically told, no, you go do this. But there are some things that God has said, let me do this. And a lot of times, these are the things that we get caught up in. These are the battles that we decide that we're going to go fight. And when we get involved in these battles, we end up losing. And I personally believe that in, in this story, if the children of Judah would have fought, I believe they would have lost. God, God won that battle all by himself. And, but I believe if they would have went out there and said, you know, I know God can win this battle, but I want to fight too. I believe they would have lost. I believe God would have allowed the enemy to defeat them. And when it comes to these battles, I want to talk about real quick that we are not supposed to fight. If we decide we're going to help God and fight these battles, I believe we'll lose these battles. And I for sure can guarantee you, you will lose this first battle. And that is 
the battle for your soul. The battle for your soul. Did you know when it comes to your salvation, do you know you're supposed to let God do all the work in that? If you decide, well, I, I, I believe in faith. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I also think he, we got to help out a little bit too. We got to do some good works. You know what? God has called us to take a knee when it comes to that battle. God has called on us to believe on him, like they were saying to do in this story, calling on them to believe in the Lord. And when you decide, you know what? I'm going to help God out in this situation. I believe you lose the battle. The Bible says in Romans 4, 3, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And folks, good works are good, but when you do good works to obtain your salvation, understand you are disobeying God. God has told us to believe on him. God has told us to have faith in him. And you can say all you want. Well, I, I believe God can win that battle for us. I believe God can fight that battle for us, but I want to help too. No, God has called on us to take a knee when it comes to that and to just believe on him. That is what we've been commanded to do. And that's what, folks, that's what you've got to do. If you add any works to salvation, you know what? You don't get any salvation. And when in this battle that we see here in Second Chronicles chapter 20, all right, we already pointed it out. When God did all the fighting, all of it, all they did was sing. Nobody in any other kingdom thought, you know, that the singing caused the people to win the battle, that it was just so bad it made everybody kill themselves or that it did some kind of psychological thing on them. No, everyone gave God the glory, didn't they? And understand, if you help in your salvation, if you fight that battle, then you're going to get the glory with God. And God's not sharing his glory in that. Jesus Christ did it all for us on the cross. Jesus Christ gets 100% of the glory for our salvation. So understand that when you go and you decide, you know what? I'm not going to listen to God in this thing. I'm not just going to believe on him. I'm going to add some works to my salvation. You know what God says? You don't get it. Because then God doesn't get glorified. God is not glorified when we disobey him and when we go around his word. And so if you try to help God in this battle, you will lose. Hebrews 3, turn over there. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 15, it says, While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, albeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom he was grieved 40 years, was it not with them that had sinned? whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. God, Israel constantly provoked God to anger in the wilderness when they did not believe that God could defeat the enemies at Jericho. They looked at the sons of Anak and thought, that's, that's too big. They didn't believe God. They didn't trust God. They didn't enter into his rest as a result of that. We know they provoked God to anger when they went and tried to gather manna on the Sabbath day when God had commanded them. No, he said, I want you to rest on this day. And they didn't believe that that manna was going to stay good for the two days like God had promised them. They didn't believe that God was going to feed them for that day. So what did they do? They went out and they tried to do some work when they weren't supposed to do some work. 
All these examples that we see in the Old Testament and that are referred to in Hebrews, this was Israel not trusting God to take care of them. And the thing is, understand, when it comes to our salvation, who's being threatened? It's us that's being threatened with hell, isn't it? If we don't get saved, we are going to hell, not the Lord. We're going to hell. So we're the ones that are in danger. We're the ones that need help. We're the ones that need rescue. But what has God told us to do? God has told us, let me fight this battle for you. And folks, Jesus did fight that battle for us on the cross. He did it all for us. And you know what it's our job to do? Our job, really, is just to sing about it. We just Isn't that why we sing about salvation every week? Folks, Jesus Christ, not only did he pay for our sins, but he's what keeps us saved too. He's the one that's ever living to make intercession for us. And so when it comes to the battle for our souls, this is a battle that belongs to Jesus Christ. And you know what we do? We just come along and we just sing about it. We just sing and we give praise and honor and glory to Jesus Christ for all that he has done and for all that he is doing. Because of the fact it is 100% him. And if you do, if you decide, you know what, I'm getting involved in this fight just in case, then you're not getting saved, folks. You will lose that battle because you did not believe God. Second thing, too, we, don't, we shouldn't fight. Turn over to Luke chapter 12 and verse 22. How about that battle for just future problems that could come our way. Hey, folks, there's a, do you realize there's a lot of bad stuff that could happen, isn't there? There's a lot of bad things, and we don't have time to go verse by verse through all this, but this is a familiar passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 12 and verse 22, it says, And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what you shall eat, uh, neither for the body what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which uh, neither have storehouse nor barn, but God feedeth them, how much more are ye better than the fowls? You know, we don't see birds checking into, uh, you know, going and seeing psychiatrists and going to the pharmacist to get, you know, their medication to help with all their anxiety and everything. And folks, they don't have bank accounts. They don't have storehouses. They don't have, I mean, they've just got nests and trees. Folks, we've got houses, we've got bank accounts, we've got security, we've got food stored up many times, we've got all these things at our disposal, yet we're worrying all the time about stuff that could happen. And folks, anything can happen. It's 2020, we've seen anything happen this year. But what good is worrying about things accomplishing? It's one thing if it's something God has called us to do. There's some things God has called us to do. We're supposed to provide for our family. You know, it's okay to, you know, to prepare for rainy days and, you know, just be responsible. It's okay to be responsible. It's okay to take precautions. It's okay, you know, for you to save some money and it's okay for you to maybe store some food. I'm not saying that kind of thing is wrong, but when you're sitting around worrying about it, obsessing about it and not trusting in the Lord, you know what? We've got a problem. And you need to understand that when it comes to things that could come our way, you know, things, there's some things that are just beyond our control. Hey, you know, what if climate change is real and, you know, you know, we get, I don't know, I don't even know what we're supposed to be threatened by, you know, here in Illinois. You know, we don't really have hurricanes and things up here, but a lot of bad stuff can happen. Okay. A tornado can come through and take us out anytime. You know, I mean, what if, what if we have the worst winter we've ever had? You know, what if it drops 
you know, like the one we had a couple of years ago. We have like 40 below temperatures. And what, what if we have 16 feet of snow? What if, folks, you know what? Let God fight that for us. I'm going to let God fight climate change. I'll let God take care of stuff like that. I'll let God worry about my future. I'm just going to do what I know I'm supposed to do in my day-to-day life, and I'm going to let God take care of that. What, you know, let God fight these battles. We don't, we don't need to worry about these things. You know, which of you by taking thought can add, add to a stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies. How they grow, they toil not, they spin not. And yet I say to you that Solomon all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And, you know, we ought to take some lessons just from things in nature. They're not worried about stuff. Why are we worried about these things? Let's just trust God. We don't have the ability to see the future, but God does. So you know what we do? We hang on to Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Again, it doesn't mean we shouldn't use wisdom. It doesn't mean we shouldn't plan, but we should not worry. We should not fret about the future. You know what? When it comes to the unknowns, I'm just going to let God take care of that for me. Because while I don't know, while I can't know, God does know, doesn't he? God does know what's going to, what's coming down uh, you know, the, the, that's heading for what we're heading for. God knows all that kind of thing. So I'm not going to worry about it. Another thing, another battle we should not fight is that battle for personal justice when you've been wronged. Look at what it says in Hebrews 1030 it says, for we know him that had said, vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Okay? Vengeance belongs to God. And now, listen, you can go fight that battle if you want to, but you know God's called us to take a knee when it comes to that battle? There's things that happen. There's people that deserve punishment. They've got it coming to them. But God has told us, let me take care of this. And this is a tough one, folks. This is one I would prefer to fight. I mean, I would, you know, when it comes to vengeance, you know, I kind of wish I would have gotten the office of, you know, the executor of vengeance, you know, but we don't do a lot of that in our country today. So uh, the job market's not real good on that. But you know what? God has called us to just let him take care of some of these things. Romans twelve seventeen says, recompense to no man evil for evil, providing things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You know what? Don't get tied down, you know, fighting these battles that you're, you're going to lose, folks. If you decide that you are going to go getting vengeance, you're just going to get yourself in more trouble. God has told us, I want to fight this battle. God has said, this one is mine. And we've got, we, you know, it, it, we've got to allow God to do that. If, if, and if we do, if we say, no, Lord, I'm going to take care of it, we're going to end up losing the battle. We're going to end up getting in trouble. Not only will that person probably not get in the trouble they were supposed to get into, but now we're in trouble too for disobeying God. And listen, 
you know, right needs to be, you know, wrongs need to be made right. Some people need to be punished, but God has told us, that's mine, let me have it. You guys sit this one out. And it's not that we're trying to avoid a battle, okay? And, and folks, with me, I'm ready to fight that battle. When people do me wrong, I'm ready to take care of them, all right? I, I can go to the grocery store and buy a whole bunch of eggs and take, I've always wanted to egg somebody's house. I still haven't done it. I'm, lo- I'm looking for a good excuse to do it. Uh, that's just been a dream of mine to get vengeance that way, just to egg somebody's house. I don't know why that is, but I, I, I've got it in me, a desire to do that, and the Lord has never allowed me to do it. And you know what? I personally believe that, you know, like the person with the rainbow flag over there, you know, I, I should be allowed to egg their house. Okay? But the Lord's told me I can't do that. Now, I promise that if I ever egg their house, that it would not be as good as whatever the Lord's going to do to them. Anything that my enemy does, if I go and take vengeance, they will be better off than if I would have left them alone. Because this is God's battle. He said, let me fight this. So don't get tied, also don't get tied down fighting for, to get back, you know, material things too that don't really matter. We see in Matthew 5.38, he said, you have heard that it's been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And folks, you know, like, why would Jesus say that? You know, this stuff isn't right. Because God's, you know, we have better things to do. We have more important things to do than to be going and just making sure we've got every material thing coming to us that we should. You know, and sometimes we do. Sometimes we get wrong. Sometimes you get cheated. But what you've got to decide to do, especially if you if you run a business or uh, maybe where you work, you do not want to get tied down fighting things like that, just to get a little more money. Listen, God can take care of that stuff. If, if, if I do, if somebody rips me off, if somebody takes my $20 or something, you know, and I, and I go and I'm, and I'm fighting that battle, chances are I'm going to get in the flesh. Chances are I'm going to take things, you know, farther than I should. I'm not going to handle it properly and I'm going to get myself in more trouble than $20 is worth. So, you know, whenever that happens, you know what? It's okay for you to just suffer yourself to be defrauded. Say, you know what? I was wrong. This needs to be made right, but I'm going to let it go. You're allowed to do that. And just, and and you know what you're doing, okay? And because I'm often so cruel and just want to get people back so bad, sometimes I do. I just, all right, fine. I'm giving this to the Lord. And, you know, that's what God wants us to do. You mess with me, you know, don't fear what I might do back to you. Fear what the Lord might do back to you. Because I'm just going to give it to him. Because I've seen it many times with even some of my enemies and people that have wronged me. I've thought about all these things I could do to them, and I've done nothing, and I've watched God do far worse to them than I could ever even think about doing. It's like, man, I mean, I had some pretty good ideas of things I could do. I mean, I saw their house just covered with eggs and, you know, things like that. You know, I, I saw some pretty good things I could do. And then, and I have, I've just let God deal with it. And I see what happens. I'm like, wow, I never even thought of anything that harsh. And that's how God is. That God will deal with these people. So let him do it. And then lastly, turn over to uh, Psalms uh, 55. Psalms 55. 
First says, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Really said what we should, you know, when it comes to just anything that's beyond our control, there are some things that it's just, it, it's physically impossible for us to do anything about it. Okay. It, I mean, if folks, if you're worried about climate change and a hole in the ozone layer and things like that. I'm not saying you can't recycle or something like that, but you know what? Don't just sit around obsessing about things like that. Just if, if you're burdened about that, you know what you do? You throw that on the Lord. You cast that burden on the Lord. When it comes, there, a lot of times there's, there's health things. Sometimes people are having health problems and they'll ask me for prayer for just, I mean, see, you know, I, I wish people would come and ask me to pray for them when it's like the smaller things. You know, why does everybody wait until they're dying? You know, it's like, you know, what, what, hey, let's try to get these things sooner. But, you know, a lot of times, too, they, they come just with these, I mean, heavy burdens. And, and, and I do, and I feel for them, and I care about them. But then I'm just, I'm standing there sometimes. I'm like, man, I'm supposed to be the spiritual one. I'm supposed to be the prayer warrior. It's like, man, I can't do anything. But you know what? That's We just throw those things on God. There's a lot of things that are just beyond our control. You know, maybe you're, maybe you're worried about this election. Maybe you're worried about what's going to happen. You know, and you know what? Throw that on the Lord. Just cast that burden on the Lord. You know, there's not really anything we can do. When it comes to the politics, I mean, go ahead and do the things that we can do. You know, go ahead and vote. If it makes you feel better, go ahead and, uh, you know, post stuff on social media, bashing the other guy. If that makes you feel better, you know, be that voice for whatever it is that you believe. But at the end of the day, I mean, how much of a difference can any of us really make when it comes to that stuff? There's not much, but you know what we're all capable of doing? Worrying a lot, stressing ourselves out, getting ourselves all upset about these things. And we need to realize that, you know, the most high rule within the kingdom of men set us up over at the basis of men. And we just need to say, all right, Lord, I need you to take care of this guy. You know, I wonder what would happen if all of God's people just said, you know what? I'm done with Pritzker and I'm giving him to the Lord. You know, I think, I think it's some wonderful things, man. If we, I think, I think we need, we just need to put out a mass call in Illinois to, all right, let's stop saying bad things about Pritzker. Nobody say anything bad about Pritzker. Nobody think anything bad. Let's just give them to the Lord. I'd like to see what would happen if we would all actually do that. I think we need to do that in our state as Christians, figuratively speaking. We need to come to the Lord like Judah did. Get before the house of the Lord, turn our back on Prisker, turn our face towards God and say, Lord, we don't know what to do about this nut job psychopath. We need you to take care of him. Man, that makes me want to start singing right now, just like they did. You know, I think it'd be exciting to see what would happen. At the end of the day, there's nothing we can do. I've had some great ideas about how we could take care of Pritzker too, but at the end of the day, I, I, I've not been called to do any of those things. And if I tried, I think I would make things worse. You know what we need to do? We need to take a knee on this one and say, Lord, there's there's nothing we can do. We're giving this one to you. This is your battle. You fight it. And some, you know, said so sometimes Christians, you know, we get lazy. You know, sometimes the, people say they're trusting in God for stuff where they because they just don't want to do anything. You know, and that's not right. There's some things we've been called to do. And we should always have a dependency on God and everything. But, you know, we need to understand this, too. We don't use God as our slave or our magic genie. 
Now, that's how a lot of people are when it comes to God. They treat God like a magic genie. That, you know, God is there to perform my will when I need him to do something. Folks, that's not what God is. God is a creator. We're here to perform his will. But God wants us when we find ourselves in desperate situations to call on him and to look to him and to trust him to take care. Because, again, if God was just a magic genie, I I could come up with some great ideas for how God could take care of things. But God's not. He's going to take care of things in his way. And his way is better. God's way is much better than anything we could do. And, And God does tend to step in and show himself strong when we're up against things we know we can't win, but we just depend on him. And so, you know... When you decide to let the Lord fight one of your battles, you know what I think it's just a good idea to do? I think, you know, when it comes to these things, if you get a hold of these things that we've talked about today and say, you know, I'm not going to fight these battles. I'm going to let the Lord fight. You know what you can do? It's like, I want to do something. Okay, don't we all typically want to do something? Okay, when it comes to your salvation, you're supposed to just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? But you want to do something? You know what you should do? You should do the same thing that the choir did in Second Chronicles. You know what? Just sing. Just sing. You know what you do? You just praise the Lord. For his mercy endureth forever. That's what you need to do. This is why we sing every Sunday about our salvation. God's the one keeping us safe. You know what we're doing? We're just praising him. You know what we ought to do when it comes to your enemies that you need the Lord to deal with? Just do nothing and just praise God. Just praise God and sing to the Lord. Just cheer him on while he, do, while he does all the work. That's all they did in this story. They pretty much just cheered on God while he did all the work. And thank God for these things. Because, folks, there's some things we just, there's nothing we can do about. I like battles that I'm able to fight and win. But understand, when we have those battles, we're able to fight and win. We tend to get lifted up with pride, don't we? And the big battles, the most important battles are the ones that God has said, these are mine, and we've got to let him have have these things. Otherwise, we will lose. I think if anybody would have fought in Judah during that day, I believe they would have lost the battle. I think if one guy would have pulled out a sword and got it bloody, he'd have lost it for the whole nation. They need This was a battle that God said, I'm going to fight. And these things we talked about, these are battles that God said, He is going to fight, and we've got to let him do it. We've got to let him do it. And if we do, we'll be victorious. And so in the meantime, while we let God fight these battles, you know what we do? We sing. We sing praise to God. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for fighting these battles for us. And dear God, I pray you'll help us to uh, just have the faith uh, to just trust you to take care of these things that... We often think we could take care of a better, Lord. Help us to realize we can't. If there's one here that's fighting for their salvation, Lord, help them to uh, put down that sword right now and to just turn that battle completely over to you so they will be saved. In your name we pray. Amen.